Do you want to do more to make impact? How we serve others and our world is how we pay our rent for being here. So get ready to learn how you can make a difference by simply choosing to shop, live, and share with a socially conscious mindset. In this episode of Passion for Impact, I have the honor of interviewing Tanya Donahue, CEO and founder of Mango and Moose, a socially conscious lifestyle brand. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and educated on how we can all make an impact. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. Thank you for joining in for the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people and business. If you're new, let me share that we create a fresh episode every two weeks featuring businesses and people who are creating real impact using their talents, skills, and passion in business and life. I often feature companies that make or support people who make amazing products while creating positive social impact. So be sure to subscribe to receive links to their websites, plus any special offers that might be available for you. And there is definitely one today. To subscribe, visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast. That's passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast. So I have on the show today a woman who is my socially conscious mentor. Tanya Donahue, a founder of Mango and Moose, is someone with a big heart who cares first, cries with you, and then says yes, all before figuring out the next step. It is true. She believes that everyone deserves the right to live a life of dignity and that all people are meant to be cherished. It is evident when you spend time with her, as I have, that she is genuine and the work she does is not a side hustle, but really is the very essence of who she is. So welcome, Tanya. Welcome to Passion for Impact. Oh, thanks so much, Trisha. Thanks for all the kind things and just for having me on the show today. I think you're wonderful and love what you're doing here. Oh, thank you. It's mutual love both ways. And of course, I should let listeners know, um, I worked with you actually when you were launching Mango Moose, uh, just for a little bit of time, but I was just so inspired by how um, you really did teach me and we were kind of talking off air a little bit, but you know, I, I had the seed within me of wanting to make impact, but you really helped me to understand that the littlest choices I make can actually make a real difference in the lives of others. So that's all from you. Uh, before we dive into your story, which I think is just the most important part, let's give listeners some context as to the platform you've created with Mango Moose. So tell me, tell us all about the Mango Moose. What is it all about? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Mango and Moose is a company that we actually started when we returned from living full-time in Haiti, and it works with artisans in 11 nations to curate and design um, collections that really do change people's lives. Through 19 partnerships with artisans, we're able to provide dignified jobs and sustainable income so that families can really stay together and thrive and um, just be able to live a life of dignity and purpose and um, be able to, to be proud of what they're doing as well. So when you created Mango and Moose, you had just moved back from Haiti. Maybe if you could just give us some idea about your, your story, a general outline of Tanya's life uh, with Mango Moose starting up. What did that look like for you? Yeah, so 
our story starts a little a little bit further back with um, having proceeded with an international adoption about 12 years ago and um, really just seeing that there was a need that there was orphans who were out there who needed families and um, we did our first adoption from Haiti of a little girl who was two and then we proceeded with our second adoption of a little girl who was six years old. And through that, we really just had the opportunity to be traveling back and forth to Haiti over uh, several years, actually, and getting to know the birth families of these girls. And that's really kind of an interesting aspect is that both of my daughters do have birth families. And in fact, they each both still have a parent who is living. And that opened our eyes to something um, that's often referred to as an economic orphan. So rather than our daughters being orphans in the true sense, going into an orphanage that and they didn't have parents who were living, they actually still had a parent who was living, but they were relinquished because of their families not being able to care for them. And this really broke my heart. Just the idea of thinking that everyone should have the right to parent their own kids, not just those who are privileged. Eventually, it led us to moving to Haiti with our whole family. So we're actually a family of six. We have two biological sons as well. And the purpose of moving there was so that the girls could be more connected with their birth families, learn the language, and that we could also work on business development in the country, knowing that there were thousands of other children in the same scenario families where parents wanted to be able to keep their kids but when you can't take care of them really don't have another option sometimes except for them to go into orphanages it just breaks my heart even now thinking about it all uh, so we moved over there and we began a company called a small little boutique called Tikokoye. And it employed local people. And also, um, we were able to partner with other organizations who were working with artisans throughout Haiti to supply our boutique with goods that then we could sell to missionaries or doctors and stuff that were visiting in the area. Um, and that's really where it started because we got to see the direct impact of what was happening when people were able to earn an income and to be able to, you know, build their home or move into one of our staff into a larger home that she was renting and bring her um, ill mother with her and the rest of her family Three babies from staff that we had were born into hospital, um, which is just, I mean, amazing in itself in a third world country. And then that basically just came with us all the way home. The knowledge, the the insight that we had gleaned from being over there. So when we returned to Canada, we thought, what else can we do? How can we keep this going? Because this is really what we want our life's work to be, that if we're going to be investing in our time into jobs, um, then let's have it have a bigger impact outside of just our family. And really, that's where Mango Moose was born from, was that time over there returning and then expanding, as I mentioned before, into 11 different nations um, and being able to work with artisans in so many countries. And also an offshoot of that, being able to um, help on many different issues that are in society as well. I just, I love all of it. I absolutely love all of it. Wow. So, hey, 
let me let me just imagine this. You have two <laughs> sons of your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've adopted two children internationally, and then you move to their birth country to so that they have access to their birth families. They can learn their language. But you literally moved your whole family there. I mean, I just think right, right there, I just can't. I can't even take my kids on a road trip. <laughs> like honestly, the packing and the the logistics is overwhelming. So, I mean, I think it's 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 such a beautiful story, and it is you. It comes off your tongue so easily, but I can only imagine that wasn't necessarily an easy thing to do, right? Yeah, and I mean, no, there's always there's always a backstory to every story for sure, and many of them. Um, it was tough. It was challenging, and I think lots of times people think too that uh, with our daughters, well, hey, it was their country. You know, they must have loved it. Did they ever want to even come back to Canada? Well, I mean, the move was hard for them as well. They're North American kids at this point, and living um, in the third world was different and challenging in many ways. It's an experience that we will all cherish forever, and I really had not wanted to come back to Canada, um, and I hope to be back in a developing nation at some point very soon. But you're right, there was definitely curveballs <laughs> along the way and lots of, lots of interesting things that we had to learn as well. Uh, but all for the memory bank, right? Yes, memories for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and now from, you know, just speaking with you before, there are some really interesting concepts that I've learned through you in terms of working with partnerships. And one of the biggest concepts that have stuck with me um, is that going from the uh, mindset, I guess, of aid to trade. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think we're all really familiar with aid. And we see it every time there's a crisis on the news. And it is invaluable. I mean, you think about the the earthquake in particular of 2010, that just rocked Haiti. And without aid, I mean, those people were devastated, uh, an already vulnerable little island just devastated by this earthquake. And if aid doesn't come in I mean people just don't have a chance right it is so Mm, important but aid can't be our long-term solution um aid doesn't help anybody to actually um advance or keep moving forward that's where we need to move into the idea of trade so just to give you this on a small little glimpse we were actually living at um the orphanage where one of our daughters was from and there was some women who also were working there who were um, Haitian women. And one of them was making um, laundry soap and stuff like that. So I went down with her, chatted with her, started buying her laundry soap to use for my family off of her, and um, then started selling it in my store. And what that did was opened up this, this equalness between the two of us, this respect level between the two of us, where we could go back and forth, just like any business people did. And I was teaching English on the base. And rather than giving everyone the books and stuff for free that um, they needed for the English class, we charged a small fee for them adding value to that, right? If you have to pay for something, there's a whole different mindset around it. Also, it wasn't this free gift from Tanya. Mind you, it didn't cover the cost like it was highly subsidized but again it brought us to a different place of equalness then where it wasn't a favor I was doing that because they were paying for this program then they were paying for this book right it was actually really beautiful so that small idea of what trade means 
we wanted to move that into the bigger realm, which is now Mango and Moose, where you're not just giving handouts, but you're actually working with people. So it's not something that they have to feel embarrassed about or ashamed about. No, they're working. They're providing goods that are of great quality um, and awesome designs. And it's a mutual respect and just dignified work together on all of our parts. So it's really about linking arms together and no one is a savior and no one is the one who's needy. We're actually just doing trade. Mm, Dignified work. I love that word, dignified. Something Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily think about over here, but means a lot to people who who have that opportunity for sure. We shouldn't mention that Mango and Moose has, in terms of products, uh, everything's handmade and handcrafted, which I love. There's like uh, accessories, there's uh, handbags. I have a mango mousse purse, which I, every day I use every day. I think about it when I'm carrying it around. I'm like, someone actually physically made this. That's pretty cool. Oh, I love that. Right. And the earrings, bracelets and necklaces, and each one has some meaning and you, you can feel good that it's, that it's handmade, great gift ideas as well. So mangoandmousse.com is the website. If anyone wants to check it out and we'll give you that special code at the end of this this conversation to save a little bit yourself. Um, okay, back to our conversation. Mm-hmm. I am very curious. Like you have this idea, you know, you did it in Haiti, uh, dignified work, that equal partnership, um, sustainability yeah. uh, for those opportunity and income. And then you bring it back to Canada. You create a platform so that the many masses of us who are making purchases anyways can cast our own vote and make a difference by choosing where we shop in you know, socially conscious ways. Tell me a little bit more about the bridge between, okay, this is what I'm going to do and then creating it. Because that's that's where a lot of people get stuck and they think they can't actually make an impact because it just seems too overwhelming. So what was your big moment where you're like, okay, I can do this. And maybe if you could provide a few tips for resiliency in the process. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's kind of key, just being able to be persistent for sure. And the truth is you really, you said it. It actually doesn't matter what it is. Lots of times we will be um, impassioned about something. Something will stir us up, right? Uh, it, it may be an injustice and we really, we don't like it. We even hate it, you know, but we feel powerless. We don't really know what to do about that. I've been in this situation to a devastating consequence that, I mean, I don't take in as like the blame for, but still the sorrow, I guess, that I feel that I wasn't able to do more, that I wasn't able to help more, because I simply didn't know how. That's a tough one for me. So the thing is, I still don't know how to do a lot of things in a lot of different areas, right? This one in particular, I ended up living in a foreign country and um, really kind of trying to battle it out there, reading as much as I could, but more than anything, working with people and making a ton of connections um, with others who were doing that kind of work in different nations as well. Before moving to Haiti, I really didn't know where to start and I'm not sure where I would have started apart from um, being able to purchase through platforms like Mango and Moose and people who were doing these these types of businesses, social conscious businesses, being able to purchase through them and knowing that my purchasing had power and I was making an impact that way. 
to be able to begin Mango and Moose, it really did come from living in the country, actually having the hands-on experience and um, figuring out how to adapt our business skills to that environment. And more than anything, when you're working in these um, vulnerable nations, being able to understand the enormity of the plight that they're dealing with. So it isn't just a matter of, hey, I placed this order. Where's it at? Why isn't it here? No, maybe all their roads are, you know, the bridges have washed out because of some environmental cause. Maybe there's rioting and they can't get to the shipment place. Maybe the artisans aren't very skilled when they begin. So there can be a lot of product changes. So uh, product problems. So um, quality control can be really tough as well. But having lived there, I, I really had a, a really good grasp on that, which helps you to be able to work in other nations. And again, working in those other nations, it started with people and contacts. So if you know someone who is doing something um, that you're interested in doing or interested in getting involved in, even if you don't know them personally, I mean, the web has brought everyone so close to one another, then reach out to those people because that is the way that I made connections in other countries. The way I was able to feel trust, confidence that um, the people we were working with really were on the up and up, right? Uh, if I wasn't actually physically there myself, that I knew the group and I could trust the group and the people that were there. So I would say that's key, whatever you want to do. Reach out to people, talk to them, glean as much information as you can from them, and then move forward in that. And really to stick with what you're passionate about because if it bothers you at the start, it's still going to bother you all the way through and you're going to want to keep going in it because you actually just are refusing to settle for what the world is today. Wow. So refusing to settle and choosing to make impact. Mm -hmm. There is um, one of your earrings that I so inspirational uh the blushing tassels right yeah yeah I remember that really stuck with me there's a story behind them share the story because it's it just I think really exemplifies the direct impact one can have by choosing where they spend their money yeah so the blushing tassels that you're talking about come from east asia and um, our partners over there help women to leave the red light district What's so powerful about these earrings in particular are they're the first item that's given to the artisan when they come into the center to make because they actually take several hours to make, which means that the woman can just sit there and she can be making the earrings while she's settled and looking around and just taking in everything that's happening. And it's a way for her to start feeling comfortable with everything that's going on because many times women aren't sure the women aren't sure if they're being re-trafficked again there's so much deception and um, they're just there they don't trust people and they don't know what's going on so these earrings in particular are a beautiful way to just have a calming effect for something that they can do when they first come in and another great thing about that organization is 
these women don't have to stay making jewelry. They have so many programs that they offer. Um, they have childcare for their children. They have counseling, obviously, and provide shelter. But say that woman wants to become a photographer or an accountant or something, they facilitate all of that. So it isn't just about molding people into what you want them to be. It's about really helping them to flourish in who they are. Wow. Uh, so if, if you go to the website, passionatehair.ca forward slash podcast and subscribe, um, I'll make sure I include a, a picture of those blushing tassel earrings and a link for them. Because I just think yeah, that that's is, a great idea. And they're beautiful too, they, right? <laughs> they are beautiful. You know, I love, I just love all this stuff. I remember you, you first showed me the first line and I was like, oh, I like that. I like this. I like this. Um, the blushing tassels, every time I wear them, because I know the story, and I think this is how many people are impacted when they purchase your goods is that I just, I feel like I'm literally wearing hope. I'm literally walking mm -hmm. around and saying, Hey, Oh, you like my earrings? Yes. This is, this is hope literally yeah, tangible yeah. hope. So very cool. Your yeah. Nepal partners have recently set up a metalsmith shop in a village where there are no girls aged 14 to 18 because they've all been trafficked. I mean, mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So tell me a little bit more about yeah. your partnership with Nepal. <laughs> Yeah, you know how you said at the beginning, Trisha, that Tanya uh, cries with you and says yes mm. before she has a plan? <laughs> okay, so also in part of how I uh, form partnerships is now people know who we are and they reach out to us as mm. well. And um, this is one of those cases where they were passed along to me by a friend and the the impact of what they're doing and what's going on just touched my heart so much that I just thought, oh my goodness, I have to work with these people because I just have to. It's so important. So that's the idea of a preventative program. Um, as much as what we just talked about is invaluable and also our Nepal partners do that as well. They recognized the need for a preventative measure as well. So therefore, um, be, people being able to have jobs and to have work, which keeps families together. In Haiti, we were talking about that in the sense of them needing to relinquish their children to orphanages. And here we're also talking about it in the fact that lots of times the male of the family will go away to work in another you know, nation or something. And sadly, that's usually just into a position of servitude as well but then their families are left there and they're vulnerable to traffickers coming to these villages so when this group found out that there was no girls who were left there they set up their metal workshop there and um, our metal pieces from nepal actually now come from them and um that's just the sweetest little set ever. It's um, called L and we've got it in gold and silver um, brass and it's a little elephant necklace and matching earrings as well. I absolutely love them. They're adorable, but more than that, I just love what they signify as well. I know. I feel like crying. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the things you've told me, I, I think it was you who said when, at one point, there are some things you can't unsee. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I tend to be more the person who doesn't want to know. I, I, I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference, but I don't want all the details because I just mentally don't feel like I can handle it. Um, yeah. so, so much of the work that you've done by actually going to these places, by having these relationships with these partnerships and hearing their stories, um, you're just doing really profound work and you're, you're seeing for other people so that they don't, 
I know, I don't know, maybe it sounds terrible. So we don't have to, but we, but we can still have a platform to make a difference. Um, yeah. And I don't think it sounds terrible. I think it sounds uh, perfectly normal, right? That I mean, it's hard to hard to see that stuff, hard to hear that stuff. And if we can know we're helping, but not have to get into all of it. But I mean, at the same time, you're not choosing to just turn a blind eye to it, right? Mm-hmm. Which we also can't do. Yeah. That is true. Mm-hmm. And social consciousness, consciousness is defined as having an awareness and then choosing to do something about that. Um, another really amazing concept that uh, we've talked about a lot that I think is so important for anyone who wants to make a difference is that we need to avoid the all or nothing mindset. Mm-hmm. And that we, you know, we've talked about it before, we both have four kids and there are times when we need to go buy the clothes that are less expensive because of, you know, you know, reasons and financial reasons, whatnot, but, Mm -hmm. but we can also choose to maybe buy that hoodie one time that's socially conscious or was made by an artisan or, so it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think people, um, are, should be invited in their social consciousness to make little choices and they don't have to revamp their entire lifestyle and we can Mm -hmm. still make a difference that way. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's nothing worse than that feeling like, oh, I can't make a difference. So, you know, what's the point, right? Mm -hmm, Because honestly, like there are so many things that I mean, I'm not heavily involved in at all. But if I can change just in some small way, and, um, you know, we often use like recycling as an example of this, like, you know, I'm not I'm not planting trees, but you know, I'm recycling and doing my part there and yeah we definitely can't throw out our whole wardrobes nor should we and um, just start all over again from scratch but we can certainly be conscious about what we're purchasing and how much of it we're purchasing even and what we are Mm. spending our time and energy with absolutely but the fallacy of all or nothing just cannot stop us before we even get started Mm, very true. And for me, one of the things I've cho- chosen now is I only buy jewelry or accessories that are handmade or made up with a socially conscious um, purpose behind them. I love that. And I think too, Trisha, sorry, you're, you also spoke about gift giving like that as well, right? Yeah. 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 I know everyone around me gets those gifts. Right. <laughs> it's powerful. They sure do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's such fantastic stuff and it's always new things. So it's great. Yeah. What What is something that you are most proud of? Oh boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> what am I most proud of? <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. Oh, uh, uh, you know what? Honestly, and you're going to think, oh, she's just saying this, right? But I'm so proud of our artists in groups. Like, you know, you think about my part in this and it just honestly to me just feels so small and insignificant when I think of what they're going through to rebuild your life from something like being trafficked or being a child soldier to to live without the basic means that you need and the struggles that it even takes to get to work sometimes and then to learn a craft many many of the artisans um i say this in the kindest of ways really are uneducated because of the circumstances and not having the advantages and the opportunities growing up to education right so to be able to learn a skill even 
jewelry making of having to learn how to measure things out and I really learned that living in Haiti and owning our cafe was some things we just take for granted as it's just knowledge that you have but truly it's knowledge that we've learned growing up and being educated um, in school and math and sciences and um the fact that they are learning these things and in Tico Coye, our cafe in Haiti, I mean, they do all the payroll. They do PayPal with me. They have their Skype call with me every week. Like what they have not learned from just sitting together and um, teaching and learning. And, you know, you do it over and over and over again until, until it's learned. And, um, I just so respect them for for doing that and our ways can be vastly different but just being able to to really um move forward from their circumstances um that's amazing to me and I'm so proud of them for that. They've certainly been through challenges that we can't even imagine. So true. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs who want to include, you know, elements of social awareness in in their business? Is there any tips you have so they can get started? I want to say right now, this is not pre-done. Like I did not know these questions. So I'm super excited about this because I recently spoke <laughs> at a conference and I was so thrilled at the end of it. I gave my speech. I did not expect that everyone in the room would cry, which is exactly what happened. Aww. And I also did not expect it was a, a room full of mompreneurs. I did not expect the amount of women who came up to me and talked to me about incorporating some form of um, ethical production into their company. So they already have their mm -hmm. business going, but hey, how can I do it differently. So like maybe a corporate gift giving thing that actually comes from artisan partners now. Hey, I wanted to make a sleeve for these stainless steel mugs that I do and I needed other leather. Do you have a group that can do that? Um, I always wanted to, I'm a clothing designer. I always wanted to do something in the developing world. Can you help me to get partnered up with somebody to do that for, um, wow. like, yeah, for workout wear. And I was like, wow. And I'm, I've just listed like three or something. This happened so much and it really opened my eyes. And I thought maybe I got to pivot a little bit here and uh, help people who, Hey, they want to do something great, but they don't exactly know how to break into that and, how, you know, bridge the gap in the developing world. And I thought maybe Mango Moose can help with that too. Did that answer your question or did I go on a rabbit trail there? No, I think it's exciting because <laughs> I, this is where I get excited too, is that we, many of the people I work with are entrepreneurs, are professionals or business owners. And even if it's a service-based company, there are ways, if you really start thinking about what your own passion is and where you want to make a dent, mm -hmm. there are ways to add social consciousness to ethical trade or production. Um, if you just kind of explore it a little bit, and again, it doesn't have to be very big in our, in our guitar manufacturing company, we use all the scrap wood to make wooden picks. Love it. Um, so it could be even how you reuse materials or your disposal methods or consciousness on any level is a dent in some way. So I think it's amazing 
those people are connecting with you. And oh my gosh, I just see such a, you're just like a beacon of possibility. It's like literally you're on a hill and it's like, oh beep, beep, beep. And I love you. People can come to you. And that's how I see you, you, you know, insignificant, not at all. You are a, you're a platform maker. You're a conscious um, inspirer. And I just think that the work you're doing and will do in the future, which I think will probably evolve and morph in ways you can't even imagine it's going to have even such a ripple effect. So thank you. It's so exciting to have you on the show. So thank you so much for being here. I heard a little rumor you might have a special offer for any listeners who want to go and check out Mango Moose. Do you want to share that? Sure, absolutely. Um, MangoMoose.com for the whole month of October. Um, on the very last page, when you check out, if you put in Passion 20, you'll get 20% off the whole site for the rest of the month here of October. And we're just excited to share that with you and have you learn a little bit more about Mango Moose and some of our products. Oh, thank you. And remember, so it's Passion 20, all one word, Passion 20. Yeah. For everyone to remember that every single piece on that website is handmade and has a story of hope and sustainability and independence. Um, so much more behind it. So I hope everyone has a chance to check it out. Just to take a peek, if anything, to know what we're mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. Thank you, Tanya. Is there anything else you want to add or share for everyone who's listening? Um, really, I just want to say that uh, thank you so much, Trisha, for having me. And I know how close all of this is to your heart as well. And so this mm -hmm. is you stepping out and and you know, really um, doing what you can do as well for social justice and um, helping others to see that they can be a part of that. So I so appreciate that and just being able to have this dialogue with you. Thank you for bringing me on. Um, it's an honor, really, it is. And I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And thank you to all those who listen today. Yes, thank you to our listeners. Oh, the feelings are mutual all the way around. Thank you, Tanya, for your time, your energy, your absolute inspiration to step up in my own life and to live more consciously when spending my money and sharing my time and energy. I feel like, I really do, I feel like I'm making a dent and that motivates my sense of purpose to do even more. If you love socially conscious goods and find the show rewarding, please share with your friends. The more we support organizations like Mango and Moose, the more life-changing impact they can make. Please rate and review this podcast. It would mean so much to me as it means more awareness when you do. So share it on your social media. Thank you for listening. Cast your vote. Make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time.